When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Sunday Crunch Time. Cameron was one-on-one, more shut down the space. Mark was paid to Cameron who got flat palms to it the first time. Geelong and within two kicks. Cameron, how? How held him out for Cameron? Got a fine bounce in the goal square. And there's just one kick in it. Cameron's got four. Left foot kick out in front. Cameron! Jeremy Cameron on the lead. Cameron for five. Geelong have come. From absolutely nowhere in the third term. Clock at eight seconds. There's the siren from the worst game of 2021 between these two teams to the best game in 2022. Well, they were staring down the barrel at three-quarter time, but the Cats rallied in their skippers' record-breaking night to find a way to overcome a high-energy combative Collingwood on a finals-type night at the MCG. It's hard not to be disappointed. You know, like, you, you get... To a stage in the game where you're up by five goals or something in three-quarter time and they're not going to result. But, uh, yeah, I just think where we're at at the moment, we're sort of falling out a bit about ourselves. You know, what level we can compete at against you know, mature opposition and quality teams. So we're just sort of falling out a bit ourselves. And I, I thought there was a lot of positives to take out of it. Pretty embarrassing. Really poor on our standards. We're trying to work hard and today we got outworked. It's pretty simple. Midfield got outworked. The defenders were poor. They let their man lead them to the ball and now forced him to play in front. It's, it was a really simple, basic game today that we let ourselves down enormously. And yeah, we should be embarrassed. Two coaches at the opposite end of the spectrum last night. Craig McRae, while certainly feeling the disappointment of letting a winning margin slip, can walk away with plenty of upside. In contrast, for David Noble, he was nothing short of brutally honest as North Melbourne took a significant step backwards on a horror night at the Gabba. Welcome to Sunday Crunch Time. Coming to you from an overcast MCG, quite eerie. I think we're the only ones here to get a big day started. Carlton and Hawthorne, a lot of anticipation around this clash. You're both undefeated for 2022. It's a big Sunday afternoon, isn't it? St Kilda and Richmond to do battle later today uh, across the road at Marvel Stadium. And then West Coast and Fremantle, the depleted West Coast again with 12 changes this week on the back of 14 last week, but they'll rise for the Derby. One of the uh, great clashes and we, uh, we saw it with the showdown. How good was that on uh, Friday night? And the Derby we're hoping is something is going to be something of a similar nature uh, later on uh, today. It's the day after 52,974 came to the MCG and we got an early taste of two teams playing that finals type game. Momentum swings that I don't 
think I've seen like that for quite some time. Brett Phillips joined by Josh Jenkins as we build up to Carlton Hawthorne, but take a good look back. Josh, at a huge Saturday footy. Good to see you. You were here last night in the thick of it. No, I feel like I've only just left this place. I was here at about midnight last night, and um, yeah, it was a great celebration for, for Joel Salwood in a in a historical night for he and for, for the club and for the for the competition as a whole. Stephen Kernahan was fortunate enough to be out on the field when Stephen Kernahan passed the baton for the uh, most games captained ever, a record which uh, we talk about Buddy Franklin's record uh, or his 1,000 goals being the last time we'll mm. probably witness that. Yep. Well, it's unlikely we'll see anyone get near Joel's record for a while because he's not done. He's still got another yes. uh, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 games ahead of him. So that was unique and, and, uh, and great to be a part of. And then the game lived up to the occasion as well. Collingwood at different stages looked... A very, very, very slick operation and there was a stage there in the third quarter we thought, well, this thing's all over. This thing is all over. They were on world record pace, weren't they? Contested Mm. ball, it was ferocious and just watching it from the couch, you're here, but the the close-up camera angles just gave you that the real feel of how much heat was around the footy and Collingwood and once they get the army behind them here at the MCG. Yes, yep. You thought, who's going to stop them? So you, you're you around the three-quarter time huddle. Josh, you're getting the feel of the group, and they've taken that onslaught from Collingwood. Did you feel like the group had a response in them? Um, you never really know. I guess hindsight always uh, gives you the benefit of... of um, you probably... You probably... You sugar it or you coat it um, according to what happens afterwards. But Chris Scott was straight out there. Yep. So, you know, typically the the, the quarter-time, three-quarter-time huddles, uh, the guys will come in and then they'll just disperse to their positions. And mm. I think Chris identified it would have been easy for the group to have gone, oh, geez, what's just happened there? Yeah. I think this thing's over. You know, you don't – no one says it, but you look up, oh, six goals. I think this thing's all over. So I think Chris identified that, and he was straight out. So he was out there before before anyone, before any of us along the boundary could even get out there. So I think he wanted to get out there and, and, and get in their face. Not get in their face, but just instill some belief on a big night for the club. If we can rally, then who knows? And and he was able to do that. And, and a few things went the boys' way, the Cats' way, but... It, to me, I could have sworn the two teams changed jumpers at three-quarter time because Collingwood were outnumbering and yep. they were zippy and they were fast and they were kicking great goals in the third quarter. And then Geelong's younger players, and they're the guys I want to focus on because I mm. felt like it was Holmes, mm. Stengel, DeConning going forward, yep. obviously Cameron. But it was the young guys who really, really got involved in the fourth quarter and, and really... In my opinion, they were the ones who drove that comeback. It was more about those young guys providing run and dash and drive and and some boldness as it was about anything else that happened. Because that has to be the evolution of Geelong, doesn't it? Because you know what you're going to get out of Dangerfield and and Selwood. Uh, Tom Stewart, you know, 29 last night. You know what he's going to do patrolling across... uh, Halfback, uh, Cam Guthrie in the middle, but it's that next tier that we've been wondering about for a little while. I mean, Geelong are always pressing close there around the mark. It's, that's been a given now for the best part of 15 years. But to be able to go on to actually win the Holy Grail again, you need yep. that second, that third tier to be standing up in big games like this when the heat's on. That's right, and it was a big game. You know, a lot of the a lot of the young players haven't been exposed to yep. 
the MCG on a Saturday night with 50-odd thousand in the house. And it, at, at different stages, it felt, you know, 70,000, 75,000 because mm. the Collingwood Army was up and about. They have been starved of these situations, both the players and the fans. And yeah. it was a great atmosphere. It was a really nice night for footy. It was a little bit um, blustery, as it always is here at the G. But it was a quality game of footy. Both teams had their turns. And... I think from a Geelong point of view, you get, you clearly you're thrilled about the comeback and the spirit and the fight and you know everything that the team was able to achieve for in honour of Joel and, and on, his, on his night. But I think the takeaway is the young guys, the young guys that really drove that. You know, Tyson Stengel didn't have a great night, ends up with only 14 disposals but seven score involvements. Every time he got the ball last night, good things happened. As I said, Holmes running up and down the wing and DeConning who probably at different stages was beaten in one-on-ones ahead of the ball. Darcy Cameron took a big mark on him. He gave away a goal here or there. He turned the ball over by foot. But he went forward, showed great character and, and got involved and, and, and sort of set up a few forward thrusts and scores as well. So a really good night. I think both teams will will be um, somewhat happy. Geelong clearly will be thrilled. But Collingwood will be proud of how they played and they'll also uh, take great belief when they look back and think, yep. our brand does stand up. Yes. We need to be able to do it for longer and longer and longer. And that's the evolution of their new game style. But also, I reckon when the coaches sit down tomorrow, they'll look at the numbers and they'll think, oh, how did we lose that game? Yeah, we won everything except for the scoreboard. We yep. kicked inaccurately yep. and, and Geelong kicked accurately. And that's important. We've seen that across a lot of the uh, games. You know, Porter is zipping three on the back of... Mm some really poor kicking and some great kicking against them. So yep. um, bad kicking's bad football, BP. It is. Craig McRae, love listening to him uh, last night. He's measured. He talked about that that level of belief, uh, Josh, at the style. And, and you're implementing that, coming into a new group. You need the buy-in of the players. So the players think, yeah, we, we can play this style of game. How do we just tinker a little just to be able to survive four quarters? Because you're going at that pace, mm. that combative chaos-type footy. How do you just adjust it in-game? It's a, it's a difficult one, but that, that, that's a small sample for Craig McRae, and mm. that'll continue to evolve. Yeah, it will for sure, and it's it, it's very, very reminiscent of Richmond. Yeah. It is Richmond. Yep. It's It um, might be a hard pill for some Pies fans to swallow, the fact that they are copying Richmond's brand, but... We've seen how successful that is. Now, the thing is, and this is what makes Richmond so admirable, is it's a very taxing style of footy mm. for the opposition, but for the pies. So you come up against that style of footy as an opponent, you know, once a year or twice a year, you know, whichever, you know, there might be two or three teams who play that chaotic style. They've got to do it every single week. And I think that's what we saw to a degree last night. Some of the younger guys couldn't sustain it. And even some of their older players, it's, it's, you know, still side bottom was struggling late in the game with mm. some quad and calf issues. It's a really taxing game. You know, times where the ball should or would normally go out of bounds and you get a chance to reset and draw yep. breath, yep. They're, they're being asked to knock it back <laughs> in. Yeah. And the game's, you know, continuing to evolve. And again, that's why Richmond have been, you know, the, you know such, a, a, such a weapon of a team because they've been able to sustain that for five years. Collingwood are, you know, three weeks in. Mm. Great signs, but they'll continue to get better and better and more comfortable with that program. Incredible momentum shifts last night. Nine-goal third quarter for Collingwood, led by 30 at three-quarter time. Uh, Geelong answer with seven goals of their own. In the last quarter, if you're just catching up this morning, 16-8, 104, the Cats 
knock over the pies 13 13 91 and I'm the fly on the wall I want to be the fly on the wall all the time to hear every conversation and Joel Selwood I mean you've been fortunate to go and play with the Cats now working off field with the Cats he's revered everywhere yeah I mean there's skippers who often will talk yeah I give Joel Selwood a call and Joel Selwood Joel Selwood says give me a call anytime just mm. to pick my brain about leadership and evolving as a captain you mentioned Tyson Stengel young Holmes and you see him just walk up to Selwood and you can see that tight bond that he develops with those young guys, mm. you know, coming into the Geelong system. Can you sort of succinct it? Just Joel, Joel Selwood, a guy who's been analysed mm. by everyone, but you've seen it more up close he, than a lot of people. He has no ego at all, yeah. and I mean none whatsoever. And he, he, has a, he has as much passion. I've never seen this from anyone that I've really come, in, come into contact with. He has, he has as much love for the um, young boy or girl who wears the, the half-cat costume as he does for Chris Scott. He has as much love for the person who does the ring around, the cold yep. calling for the memberships yep. as he does for Steve Hocking. It's incredible how much um, care he has for the club. Now, he, you know, he grew up as a Geelong fan, but that's you know there's lots of players who drew up, uh, grew up barracking for the team they now play for. They don't necessarily go upstairs and spend time up there. and He just, he just loves everything about the club. He he um, he's 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 almost closer with some of the part-time staff than he is with some of the players because he just absolutely loves the place. He wants everyone's experience um, at the Geelong Footy Club, whether it's a year or ten years, to be as good as possible. And he takes so much pride in that. And um, yeah, it's been quite. I've been quite lucky to be able to see it up close. You know, I've played with some really good leaders and Rory Sloan and Taylor Walker and Nathan Van Berlo and mm. Ben Rutten. Um, but he's just got he's just got so much care for absolutely anything that's got blue and white hoops on it. He cares about it. And when you're a person like that, I'm just looking at you know the Shane Warne stand in front of us uh, and watching you know and just hearing about the impact Shane Warne had on people. So anyone that was in his company, he made him feel ten feet taller. Mm. He had eyeballs just on you. He made you feel special. I imagine Joel Selwood's that type of person. You talk about him talking to everyone from the top all the way down to the people who are the unsung heroes of the footy club who mm. don't get any kudos, but making them feel that they are they are the kings in a sense. Yeah, that's right. And and he was he was probably my most annoying slash hated <laughs> opponent when I was playing for Adelaide because yeah. <laughs> he, he, he gives you nothing. Yeah. He 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 will engage uh, physically and verbally with you. He'll say stuff to you and he'll get in your face and he'll whack you in the guts and he'll you know he'll he gives as good as he gets. I think everyone, I think yeah, no yeah, opposition yeah. Uh, fans can't stand him and they say he ducks and he does this and he does that. But that's because he doesn't care for anyone else wearing any other colours. He cares for the blue and white hoops and he'll do whatever it takes to ensure that the blue and white hoops come out on top. And I think that's what makes him so revered inside the club. And I think once his career is done, the rest of us will probably, or those involved at other clubs and fans of other clubs will will, will sort of take a, a, a um, step back and think he was pretty amazing. I wish he was at our club. Well, just on that, I mean, obviously, any time he went near the footy last night, there's the booze. Yes, Chris Scott yeah. wouldn't really be drawn into that when asked uh, last night. But, that, I mean, you're never going to stop that no. in sport. It's just impossible. I think it's... I sort of see it. It's not necessarily a, a total disrespect for mm. the guy. It's just you're a combative supporter. You want your team to win. You've got rose-coloured glasses just for your team. And I don't necessarily see it's a huge disrespect thing. It's almost 
as strange as this might sound, it, it's almost a compliment. In yeah, a sense. I, I understand exactly what you're saying. It's a bit of a. And they're not booing him because he's uh, he's uh, he's not an important part of the game. He's not. They're not booing him because he's irrelevant. They're booing him because he's a he's a. They know he's critical to the the fortunes of the Cats and how important he's been and how good a player he's been yeah. for the past fifteen or sixteen years. So that's that's the reason that they are booing. There's definitely a threshold. Mm. You know, it's consistent um, booing for no apparent reason, but. Yeah, he's involved in a scuffle with, with young yep. Jack Ginevan, so there was a little bit of that. There was a big Collingwood contingent here, so mm. it was probably no surprise that the Black and White Army were going to give a few jeers. Cats found a way last night. They've got Brisbane uh, next uh, weekend at GMHBA Stadium. For first time the Cats get to play uh, at home, and mm. Brisbane 3-0 will talk about their demolition of North Melbourne after the break, we're building up to Carlton and Hawthorne. Uh, we'll go inside uh, both camps uh, within this hour as well and uh, get a word from Tim Clark and also uh, Robert Harvey. You're listening to Crunch Time for Red Energy. Moving house, call local energy retailer Red Energy and Regional Development Victoria. You're listening to Crunch Time, brought to you by the Isuzu D-Max. Born to live. Welcome to Sunday Crunch Time, MCG Sunday afternoon footy. Coming your way with the Blues and the Hawks in about an hour and a half's time. Of course, uh, St Kilda and Richmond a little bit later on today at Marvel Stadium West Coast to take on uh, Fremantle and the Derby over in Perth. So it's a huge uh, Sunday of footy. Brett Phillips alongside Josh Jenkins. A few of the players are out just having uh, an early touch on the beautiful hallowed turf of the MCG. Hopefully we don't get any rain a little bit later on, but a good crowd certainly expected here. We'll dissect Brisbane and North Melbourne very shortly, but I want to go back to the other game that was played on Saturday. I called this game, uh, Josh and GWS, certainly back to their ball-moving uh, best after that was uh, heavily uh, scrutinised mm. against Richmond at this very ground. Uh, Tom Green outstanding in the middle, uh, what a player he is, a pure footballer. Tim Taranto, the ball on a string yesterday. Steve Cornelio, back to yes. some of his best form. But our next guest played a, a significant role in uh, quelling the key playmaker of the Gold Coast in Turk Miller. I speak of uh, Lockie Ash from the GWS Giants. Lockie, welcome to Crunch Time. Thank you, boys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Great, great to have you on. Uh, Leon Cameron, I think, sort of had a chat to you midweek about... Um, sitting on Miller, we know how influential he's been. He's running power through the ground. Just take us through the week in the build-up to playing on one of the uh, the competition's key playmakers. Um, yeah, obviously through the pre-season, um, had a positional change, and Leon sort of mentioned a few times throughout the pre-season that like it is an option that we could go to. Um, and then yeah, he sort of said to me midweek, um, I think it'd be a really good matchup, um, and we we sort of need to negate his influence um, as he is sort of the a dominant player for Gold Coast and a bit of a barometer. Um, he really sparks their midfield and, and creates sort of the drive and link-up play. So, yeah, he sort of just chatted to me just about trying to yeah nullify that influence he has to, to link up, um, especially between the arcs. He, uh, he yeah definitely generates a lot of their um, transition. So, yeah, it was obviously going to be a big challenge. Um, yeah, obviously he's definitely a class player. But, um, yeah, I sort of like having the challenge of playing on opposition best players um, when it presents. So, yeah, it's one I look forward to um, earlier in the week. And then, yeah, um, when I got out there on Saturday, it was sort of just, yeah, getting down to business and putting the the vision and stuff that I'd, I'd watched to, to good use. 
Lockie, Josh Jenkins here. Well done uh, on the team's performance and your performance as an individual. I'm interested how much or how difficult was it for you to... You said you've had a bit of, bit of a positional change and it's relatively new to you. So how did you, you balance the focus on what Took Miller's going to do versus still being able to focus on playing the game and playing to some of your strengths? Yeah, um, definitely. I think it was more so um, the, as, as being a back, I think, um, the off-ball stuff, I think I sort of have down pat um, in terms of running position, running um, patterns and, and body work and stuff away from the contest. It's more so just the stuff inside um, that's probably new to me. So I really just tried to focus on that um, as much as I could, knowing that like my off-ball stuff was um, yeah, sort of in check and, and takes care of itself. Um, and then, yeah, when, when we've got the footy, Leon sort of gives me a licence to be able to use my running ability to try and get off them and, and yeah, try and create for for us, but then, yeah, just always having the back of my mind that my number one role is to, yeah, um, negate his influence. So then once the ball's turned over, just trying to get back to him as quick as possible. Um, it's sort of, yeah, just the thought process that, that goes through my mind when, when having to roll on someone. Have you done too good a job? Are you likely to have this role each and every week? You've got Fremantle next week, and um, Andrew Brayshaw's in, has been in as good a form as anyone across the competition. So is this a role that you can expect to do uh, weekly from here on out? Will it be a bit of a horses-for-courses situation? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I think it'll probably be a bit of a horses-for-courses um, sort of situation. I think, obviously, disappointing game um, the week before. Um, we got done out of stoppage a fair bit. Um, so I think we sort of just wanted to, to bring that back to, to level playing field and, and play one-on-one footy across the ground. Um, so you know, sort of, excuse me, while it was probably floated throughout the week and, and happened this week. But, um, yeah, next week I'm not sure what will happen. I think, it, yeah, will obviously just be, yeah, sort of horses for courses, as you said, um, throughout the years to, to see what happens. But I think our midfielders um, bounced back. Obviously, you mentioned that um, Greeny and, and Timbal were fantastic on the weekend and then Cogs as well. So a few of the, the boys got, got back into form after an off week against Richmond. So... Yeah, I think we yeah we might be back in our mids in um, next week. I'm not too sure, but yeah, it's good just to have that option um, to be able to do that, I guess, um, for the team. Can you give us some insight? You know, our very own Kane Corns bangs on about tagging endlessly and clubs' refusal to tag. Can you give us some insight into you went with that um, role yesterday? We hear clubs a lot of times say, you know, we don't want to give up our structure or our system and how we look around the balls. Can you give us a level of insight as to the balance between, you know, you running with a player versus trying to balance out the stoppage and having everyone fill the, the, the important places around the stoppage that you want to have filled? Yeah, I think the hardest ones are centre bounce stuff um, just because you sort of, you, you want to win that centre bounce and it's so crucial, but you're also <clears throat> trying to play a role on, on someone. So that's, that's really where I find it most difficult. Um, they're sort of not, like, not tracking him and, and sort of sticking fat on your position. Um, whereas around the ground, um, I think m- most teams sort of body up against each other nowadays um, anyway. So it seems to be a little bit easier around the stoppage. But yeah, definitely, like you don't want to be too man-focused at all. You definitely don't want to give up um, your team structure um, by any means. So that's sort of um, just talking to your other mids as well, just around how we're going around the contest and, and things like that um, in game, which I felt like we did really well yesterday as a midfield group. Um, so it's sort of just a, a play it by year um, in that scenario on, on how we're going around the ball and, and what looks we're getting and, and, and things like that to, to, yeah, what we can 
can do and what I can personally do um, when playing on someone. And Lockie, joining you in that midfield group yesterday was big Braden Bruce. I mean, you've been used to having the last few years a big steamrolling, bullocking Ruckman in Shane Mumford in the air, on the ground, physical. Uh, Bruce is a, he's a mountain of a man. He's had some tough injuries last year coming to the Giants. He, he sort of warmed into the game and got better and better yesterday. He seemed to wear down Jared Witts. Uh, you know, there was a lot of boundary throw-ins and ball-ups uh, throughout uh, the day. Just tell us about his impact to, to complement all the guys you mentioned, along with yourself, you know, Quelling, Miller and, and you know, the other midfielders running into some good form. They got some pretty good supply from Big Prusy yesterday. Yeah, no, definitely. He was awesome yesterday. Um, Big Prusy, as you said, he's a, he's a massive man. Um, you sort of walk next to the other Ruckman and make them look small um, sometimes. But yeah, I think, I think he was a little bit nervous. Um, obviously, as you said, he's had a, a rotten, rotten run with injury over the last sort of 18 months. So I think he was a little bit nervous towards a the start of the game, um, and then yeah, when he when he warmed into his work, especially in that that second half, yeah, yeah, we we've seen how damaging he can be, and giving the midfielders first use, um, which I'm yeah, I'm sure that Tom Green and Tim Torano, Josh Kelly, and the likes will um yeah, will have great pleasure in in working with over the the coming weeks and, and coming years. And just just one on the coach, can I ask <clears throat> about Leon? I mean he's. He, he, to me, when I watched that AFL documentary a couple of years ago, the real insights into the clubs, I found him the most impressive. When you're that fly on the wall, you want to hear what's happening behind the scenes and what was a really tough year for the Giants. And, you know, it can be confronting, as we know. It's high-level, competitive sport, the AFL, and uh, a lot of honest, brutal uh, conversations. But he just seems to have this great synergy with the group. And he's at an interesting stage, obviously. I'm not asking about his contract and to comment necessarily on that, but anyone that's in their ninth year, contract talks are on hold. You know, the club's got to assess all of that. But it just seems like he has a great connection with this group, that when you're down like last week, that you can sort of pick up the pieces and, and get things back on track. We saw that last year when the team didn't start so well. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I think the, the best thing about Leon, as you said, his relationships, I think he... He really understands um, when to challenge and when to wrap your arm around around a player. Um, and I think during the week, obviously, we had a really disappointing game against Richmond. Um, and he was sort of, yeah, time to challenge us and, and get in our face and sort of, like, it wasn't good enough at performance. And he really ran that home. Um, whereas, like, weeks before, where we've had losses, but they've been an honest loss. Like, he sort of wrapped his arm around us a little bit and said, like, we, we just didn't quite get there. Like, we... We threw everything at him. Um, so I think his ability to sort of read the situation and, and yeah, and then be able to build relationships and, and manage relationships from there is, is, yeah, is something that he does really, very well. Um, and as a playing group, like, like we all get along really well with Leon and, and we all have full belief in, in Leon. Um, we seen that at the end of last year. Our season was essentially nearly over um, with four weeks, four or five weeks to go. And then yeah. um, his ability just to turn a few cogs and, and yeah, sort of get a spark in the group, um, got us to, yeah, playing in finals and, and winning a final. Um, so, yeah, we, the club and, and personally myself, like I have ultimate belief in in Leon and, and what like what we're trying to do this year. Um, yeah, I think that like, we're definitely going in the right direction. Um, and, yeah, like I can't really say much more than that um, about Leon, yeah. Lockie, um, how's life up there in Sydney? We know how expensive, well, we hear how expensive it is. It's been raining for about two months. You're a country Victorian boy. Have you settled into to Western Sydney or Sydney life? Yeah, well, I've, this is my third year. Um, I've been here for two years, and I reckon with COVID, I think I've spent more time out of Sydney than I have in the last <laughs> two years. So I'm, um, 
I'm definitely still adjusting. Um, but yeah, obviously coming from country Victoria and coming from a farm, it, it definitely does take a bit of adjusting. Um, but yeah, I'm slowly starting to get used to it. Um, I'm living with one of my cousins at the moment and he's from, from country Victoria as well. So that's definitely helping. Um, just having like someone, a familiar face outside the club essentially, um, which I'm really liking. Having him around Sydney and being able to get out and about with him and sort of getting away from, from the club and away from footy has been good. Um, obviously at home, I used to have that outlet of the farm. So having that outlet here has been really good. But yeah, still trying to, um, yeah, not, not settle in, but still trying to um, sort of get used to city living and, and things like that. But um, yeah, I'm really enjoying my time in Sydney. Um, as you said, the weather hasn't been great. So it's been a bit frustrating all summer. Been trapped inside most of the time. Um, but yeah, no, I'm slowly, slowly starting to get used to it. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely do miss the farm and, and being home. But yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get used to Sydney a little bit more. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can get a normal year and I can spend a bit more time in Sydney. Indeed. Uh, nice job yesterday. Very well done collectively. I think the team rebounded and really uh, set the tone of that match probably from the opening couple of minutes. You could, you could feel like where that match was going to go. The Giants were certainly on yesterday. Uh, a trip to take on the Dockers next Saturday night in the West. Uh, so there's always a challenge every week, as we know, in AFL footy. But uh, all the best to you and for the team in what is hopefully going to be a big year. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Lockie Ash wearing the number seven for the Giants. Uh, that was Took Miller's lowest disposal game since round 16, 2020. So we normally used to see him just rack up in the 30s. Yeah, that's right. And it sets a bit of a precedence, does it? I guess the next time Took Miller's allowed to roll around and have 30 or 35 and kick a goal and have plenty of clearances and the Gold Coast win a game by a couple of goals and I guess those in the media will say well hang on we've seen what it looks like we've seen the template and we've seen what happens to the Suns when they don't have Took Miller's drive so um, well done to Lockie Ash and well done to Leon Cameron for having the conviction to say we are going to break structure we're going to go against what most of the competition is doing and we're going to stop their best player and it worked. So just on the Gold Coast just for a couple of minutes as good as the Giants were yesterday, Josh, you, you could mm. feel early in that game they just weren't there. And we we said in the pre-match we had Brenton Sanderson with us, and that this is this is a game that they should be looking at as really winnable now, for where they've come as a group. So if you're taking the pre-season, the trip to Perth, playing the reigning premiers last week, they brought a great competitive level. Mm. You knew what they were mm. going to bring. They went away from that yesterday. So 60 inside 50s last week. They still had 50 yesterday, but they just can't seem to maximise the entries and just the ease of which uh, GWS were able to transition the ball across the ground, the, the lack of pressure, that, that real scramble ball, they just didn't get their hands dirty. It was a real step backwards for the Gold Coast. If they don't bring that as the fundamental, yeah. they're going to have those blowouts. I mean, it, look, really, I mean, if you, just, if you didn't see that game, uh, to me it felt like a 10-goal loss mm. for the Gold Coast yesterday. Yeah, and I think they would have taken it like that too because they would have set themselves for that game and you know looking at that game on Friday I thought if they can if Gold Coast can replicate what they did against Melbourne that same level of output yeah. against the, a GWS squad who haven't been in great form that would nearly be enough but they just couldn't do it they got nothing from from too many last night I mean they, they can't ask for much more Kaz Bolt and Child kick six between them they can't ask them for any more than no. that well, they can't expect realistically any more than that. So there were a lot of others who just didn't have 
anywhere near the amount of output offensively and then defensively didn't put enough pressure on as well. Yeah, stinker of a night. they got the Blues uh, next week, of course, uh, back at Metricon Stadium. Speaking of the Blues, after the break, we're going to go inside their camp with assistant coach Tim Clark. We'll have a chat to Robert Harvey, assistant coach at the Hawks, as we build up to Carlton and Hawthorne here on Sunday Crunch Time. A sports news update for Rolled. Eat good with Rolled. It's fast, fresh Vietnamese. I'm Victoria Raptus with your sports news update for Rolled. Geelong skipper Joel Selwood's record-breaking 227th match as captain was one for the history books as his side pulled off an epic 43-point comeback against Collingwood at the MCG. In cricket, Australia's batting crumbled in the early stages of the third one-day international against Pakistan. Opening batters Travis Head and Aaron Finch were both dismissed without scoring. To NRL and Brisbane front rower Tom Flegler was placed on report four times during the club's 20-6 loss to the Warriors. The first three reports came in the first quarter of the match, including twice in a single play. A sports news update for Rolled. Fast, fresh Vietnamese. You're listening to Crunch Time, brought to you by Isuzu. Go your own way with the 3-litre Isuzu D-Max and extraordinary 7-seat MUX. Sunday Crunch Time, coming to you from the MCG, Cartland Hawthorne. Looking at lips at this one, what a beauty. 2-0, both teams, 110 bounce this afternoon, crowd staying to file in. And uh, it's just a nice afternoon for footy. We'll see if the wind picks up and gets a little swirly, of course, always here at the G. Josh Jenkins alongside myself, Brett Phillips. We're going to go inside the Carlton Camper Man. I reckon it'd be salivating today because the whole midfield group is together. Yes. Josh, for the first time, with Adam Chera in with Cripps, Hewitt, Kennedy and Walsh. I speak of uh, Tim Clark, the midfield coach, assistant coach at the Blues. Tim, that's going to be a nice feeling to have the whole, uh, the whole gang together today. Yeah, it is, Brett. Yeah, it's great that... Um Walsh, got back from his injury so quickly, uh, which is a testament to our fitness program and him as an individual. And then to get Chez back in this week after missing last week because of the COVID protocols just adds a lot of depth to our group and a lot of balance. Tim, Josh Jenkins here. Good luck this afternoon. How have you been able to... To strike, I, know, I guess a lot of the credit has to go to the individuals, but how have you been able to strike such a great um, amount of synergy amongst that midfield group in such a short amount of time? Uh, it's a good question, Josh. We, um, we trained a fair bit of pre-season was about building that synergy and the connection between the players. Uh, we've got a lot of guys uh, in our midfield group. It's just not the boys that are playing at the moment. There's, there's three or four guys that are playing in our VFL that understand the way we want to play um, and we're still looking to build that. Um, and everyone knows what their role is and whether that's playing on a wing, it's playing midfield, it's playing forward. There's really good clarity about what their roles are and we've got some really good individuals within that that are driving the behaviours that we want. And two guys who are a part of that midfield mix, but I guess a lot of the focus goes on the guys at ground level, the two ruckmen in Mark Pitnett and Tom DeConing, who's an outstanding you know, young talent. Talk about the impact that those two have had and I guess the, the versatility and the difference that they both bring to the, to the midfield mix when they're in the ruck. Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah, I'll start with Pitto. Like he's a, um, a real warrior. He, uh, he really jumps in hard against his opposition ruck. He competes at ground level. He's got high energy. Um, he really gets our midfielders going, and it's great to start games with, with him in there. He, uh, he drives a lot of those behaviours that I was talking about before. 
And then you've got Big Tommy, who uh, is playing a really good role for us forward, and he's a lot more athletic in terms of his size and his reach than, uh, than Pido. And when he comes in, he gives us a different look. So uh, our midfielders are really enjoying the fact we've got two, two good ruckmen that not only compete in the air and give them a good look, but at ground level they're uh, really competitive and support each other. Is, is Tommy, I know you're, you're sort of focused on what the midfield's doing for the most part, is Tom a little bit more um, dangerous and, and, and I guess competent and capable as a forward than you may have thought? Oh, we, we always knew he had that. Uh, he had an interrupted pre-season with a blood clot, so he, he missed sort of six to probably six weeks of training, uh, and then he was sort of fast-tracked back in to our, uh, our round one side, and he didn't get a great opportunity over that pre-season period to train with Harry, to tra- train with Charlie in the forward line and build the synergy that uh, you're talking about. But they've been able to do that over the last three weeks. Um, he allows the others to, to be a bit more mobile. Uh, he allows us to play a slightly different structure forward of the ball, and that's a, uh, at the moment it's working well, but we're still looking to, to, to build this as the year unfolds. Yeah, I was listening to Sam Mitchell, Tim, during the week, you know, like... You've obviously coming in, um, you know, as, as, with new clubs. You know, you're trying to build something over a period from the pre-season into the proper season games. And each week, just trying to tick another box so we can see the strength of the Blues and what they've displayed in the first couple of games. But have you got a couple of key points today you've really maybe emphasised more than others that you, you just want to see step up to, um, to keep that improvement going? Yeah, we, we want to continue seeing our method around the ball, our contest method that is, how we, uh, how we win the footy, how we balance around it, and then how we set up defensively behind it. That's really important to us as a footy club. That's the brand that we're, we're looking to, to build as the year unfolds. And what better chance against the Hawks, who have been so strong with their offensive footy over the last two weeks, to really show how strong we are around the ball and how we're going to look to defend it. And... We feel today, if we can put them under huge pressure, it'll give us a really good chance to, uh, to win the footy game. So that'll be a, a focus today. You spoke about the Hawks, and I'm sure you watched their game closely and how impressive were they over there in, uh, in Adelaide, giving Port an absolute belting. What, what were the things, you mentioned the offensive side of the game, what were the other things that really impressed you from, uh, from the Hawks last week and I guess in round one as well? Knowing a few of their coaches and, and some of their administrators, like they're a really well-organised team. When you see them, they're, they're well-structured around stoppages. They're really disciplined with what they do with their numbers. So that, that stood out to us. And um, you can't help but look past how they're moving the ball from one end of the ground to the other. They're, um, they're going a little bit quicker. They're getting the ball to the open side. And they're, they're playing an exciting brand of footy. So we are going to look to stop that today. And we feel that we're the, the team that can put them under a fair bit of pressure. Now, Voss the boss returns. Um, any uh, chuckling about or any ribbing about the fact that you perhaps didn't need the great man? I think there was a, a few gags about that at the start of the week. The, um, I was the same as him. I missed last week too. So we've got two coaches coming back uh, because of the COVID protocols. And um, we're just really excited to have him back here. He's a, he's a real leader of men. Uh, he really connects the group, uh, both coaches and, and players. So we're, we're excited to have him back. But... We thought it was a great opportunity for Ash to um, to play the role that he did last week, and we had a, a number of other players and uh, coaches and other staff members that had to stand up too, and it's a testament to the footy club. Yeah, speaking of those protocols, uh, Adam Sardet, just as of yesterday, so Jordan Boyd, and I called the pre-season game, uh, it was only three years ago, what he was at Spotswood on the Footscray VFL list, so he gets an opportunity today on the MCG, which is great for this uh, Young man on a different journey. He's a bit more mature age at 23. But, gee, kicks the ball well, Tim. 
Yeah, he does. He's really exciting. You know, we've got some some really talented half-backers that are keeping him out of the side and to be able to get him in to be able to show what he can do at AFL level today is really exciting for us as a footy club and for uh, for him as an individual. And that talking about that story you just mentioned, Brad, he, it was 12 months ago that he was playing, playing there at Spotswood. Yeah. So the journey from 12 months from playing there to uh, yep. here at the MCG has been a really good one for him and we're really excited to see what he delivers. Four or five years ago... We're um, travelling and preparing for games, Tim, and, you know, you, the the uh, the chefs would serve up the wrong lunch or your f- bus would be a little bit late from the airport and it would almost throw us into a tailspin. Now you guys, you know, you're losing players and coaches and you're able to, or having to adapt to so many things. Has it been relatively smooth adapting to, you know, you lose Jack Martin and this week you lose Adam Saad. You don't, you know, you can't coach last week. The senior coach can't coach last week. Has it been somewhat smooth in a strange way to be able to just to, just to keep charging forward? I think the last two years with the COVID restrictions that the games had on them, everyone's become more adaptable. So I feel as an industry we've got better at that. But our footy club has been built on really good people. And, um, you know, like Brad Lloyd... Uh, you've got Cookie. Guys have put together a really strong group of people where when someone goes down because of COVID or an injury or some other illness, we've got somebody else that steps into their role and that can be on the playing field uh, or it can be in the uh, the staff. We uh, we feel we've got really good people here that support each other. And So one, the AFL industry is more adaptable now, but I feel as a footy club we're building something pretty strong here from a, uh, from a culture point of view. Uh, fascinated from where we sit here up in the comfort uh, of the commentary box, uh, Tim. Looking forward to this. Uh, it should be a beauty. 2-0, and both teams. A lot to play for and uh, all the best. Thanks, boys. Have a good call. Tim Clark uh, inside the Carlton camp, uh, of course, looking after the uh, midfield and nice to have all those magnets. Mm, what a midfield it is. Lockie Plowman back into the 22 this week. Down back, uh, it was the sub last week that was activated. Lewis Young's the other one too. That, yeah, uh, gets a, a Guernsey. I like Lewis Young. He, he 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 sort of burst onto the scene with with the Western Bulldogs. I know Robert Murphy was really high on his his talent and his size. He's got great size as a key back. The Dogs trialed him as a sort of relief pinch hitting ruckman, which probably doesn't suit him. But the Blues, if they do have a weakness across the first two weeks, it's that secondary key back. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I give him a great chance to be able to come in and play alongside Weedering. And if he can play the system as much as anything, then he can really forge a position there because um, they're a bit unsure what to do with that second key back. Yeah, Mitch McGovern out for this week. We've got a few that have had some long-term knee injuries, haven't they? Like, Honey's been out for a while. Cunningham, we know, missed all of last year. Marchbank has been injured for, mm. it seems like, an eternity. Liam Stocker, I think, back in the VFL uh, this week. Noon's not playing today. Paddy Dow not playing is. You know, struggled to. He has, yeah. It's a, a big a year for Paddy Dow, and, and now it's an even bigger challenge. Yeah, it's going to be a, a harder midfield to get into, um, as you said. He, may, I mean, I guess he needs to 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 go go past one of those guys, which is going to be hard to see. Uh, the other way in is to be able to play on a wing or play at half forward and do something a little bit different. Or, or could he do what Lockie Ash is doing? You know, the, the, because all it is is. Yep. Can you physically run with those guys and, and physically stand up to those good mids? And are you diligent enough to do it? So they're the questions that, that you need to ask. And um, it's hard for him to, to, to see Paddy Dow getting a position at, as it stands. Indeed. Let's go inside the Hawks camp. Uh, Robert Harvey's been good enough to join us, assistant coach. Uh, Rob, thanks for your time. My pleasure. How's the feeling down there? It's been a, it's been a great start. I mean, to go to Adelaide and, and beat Port is, no doubt, I'd imagine, given this group just... An extra cog of belief. 
Well, you pro- that's probably the the right term because um, we still feel like we're we're feeling ourselves out a bit with how we're playing, uh, and we know we'll get better as we go. And there's a great um, the game plan. So um, yeah, well, it's been pleasing so far to see um, probably more um, more the effort and the intensity of the players in the first two rounds. So. Obviously, that needs to, to lift again today against the team that's red hot. But, um, yeah, so far, so good with just um, the, the players uh, probably want to adapt and to, to play a new style. Rob, uh, good luck this afternoon. Josh Jenkins here. Um, what what does what's, what tangible things does a win like that do for you as a coaching group? You're able to really drive home that, that, you know, even though you're early on into your journey as a coaching group and a new program, it's, you know, you're on the right path. Is that the easy sell after a really good performance like that? Yeah, and we probably don't really know the effect till we see the boys run out this afternoon and, and execute what we, we want them to execute. But I think in the in the medium medium term, it gives them a belief against a good team in a, in a hostile environment that they can go away and um, bunker down and, and, and bring get, bring effort that's going to be competitive against a really good team. So that, that's that's good belief for a young group. Um, and we've got enough older guys amongst the group sprinkled through the lines to be able to, um, you know, understand, uh, make, give a good understanding to the young players about what's expected. And um, obviously we are young, but we're, we're still... We're still trying to get that balance right between the now and the future, and um, we know we're, we're, we're trying to build a, a brand and a, and a team that's going to be good, um, you know, in, in, in years to come. So that, that's the challenge for us right now. And you talk about the, the young and the older, and one of the older guys who wasn't there um, last year, Jack Gunston, his return to that forward mix. We saw it against the, uh, against North in round one in a, in a pretty sort of lacklustre game. He was able, his forward craft and his nous was... You know, not necessarily the, the the only difference, but it certainly stood out. And then some of his finishing last week was outstanding. So, you know, I'm sure the coaching group and the players are thrilled to have Gunner back in the lineup. Yeah, and having come from another club, obviously, and, and not known Jack, or um, you know, I've seen him from afar, and, and probably haven't seen him from afar enough in the last couple of years. Um, you, good players give you really sharp reminders of how good they are sometimes, and. He's been really enjoying some of the ball movement, but I think you know some of those goals that he's kicked in the first couple of weeks just gives us all a reminder of how good some of these players are. And you know we haven't seen him play a lot over the last couple of years, as I said, and it's just nice to see him enjoying his footy again. And so Touchwood physically good um, to be able to, to be able to roll out three weeks in a row, and um, he's he's really really looking good. And someone who has benefited from Jack's presence, I'm sure, is Mitch Lewis, a, a breakout game last week, but. Um, you can quickly come back to earth with a thud if you're not ready to rock and roll because Jacob Wiedering will uh, will be right there alongside him every step of the way and that's going to be a great challenge for a, a young forward, you know, making his way. That's right, and and I'm, I'm you know I know that I'm you, I'm you're probably more equipped to speak than I am, Josh, about all that stuff. But in the end, the way he's competed um, all through preseason, uh, more than anything, has been the most impressive thing. Every time. The ball goes near him. He, he, he spread eagles the pack, and and when he marks it, that's well and good. But it, but we've been wrapped more more than anything with the contest that he brings. And I know Luke Bruce and the small forwards are really appreciating that. So when he does have his day, like he did last week, that's that's the that's the bonus. But I think uh, for a guy like his understanding that his contest and the fierceness of it and what it brings to the front half is is what is what matters. And um, all he has to do is that again today. Rob, just one last one. Will Day, great to see him back playing some footy. I mean, tough year last year, just the five games, 
high draft pick 2020, game 17. It'd be nice to see him from here just get some really good continuity into his footy. Yeah, and he, again, as a new coach, he's one that I haven't really got a good handle on either coming into the club, and he hasn't done much of pre-season, so he's probably come to hand quicker than we actually thought he would. Yep. So I'm still, I'm a bit like you guys, I'm learning about this guy and I've heard a lot about his talent. Um, he's obviously an early pick and, um, yeah, it, what, what I have seen I really like. But I think, um, you know, he, he, he's just earned his place really really quickly in our team and yep. you can see the, the esteem he's held with, with his teammates and he is a good, he's a great potential leader in the making as well. So it is just nice to see him back today um, and injury-free. No doubt. All the best to you and the team. Cheers, thanks. Good on you. Robert Harvey, assistant coach at the Hawks with their perspective. We've spoken to Tim Clark, of course, inside the Blues. Josh Jenkins alongside me for Buy My Stock. Uh, got excess stock. Visit buymystock.com.au. We'll drill in on uh, Brisbane and North Melbourne uh, last night. And all the other talking points so far of round three. Up next. Welcome to Crunch Time, brought to you by Isuzu. Go your own way with the 3-litre Isuzu D-Max and extraordinary 7-seat MUX. A big warm welcome to Sunday Crunch Time, particularly if you're joining us for the very first time as we build up to a huge uh, Sunday of footy, Carlton and Hawthorne. Coming your way in just over an hour's time, St Kilda Richmond a little bit later on this afternoon at Marvel Stadium West Coast to take on the Fremantle Dockers in the Derby over in Perth. Uh, Brett Phillips alongside Josh Jenkins. The day after, the Cats beat the Pies 52,974 at the MCG. It was a fast-finishing Cats that got home by 13 points. Brisbane absolutely trouncing North Melbourne. We'll dissect that game this hour. Led from start to finish to the tune of 108 points and the Giants got their season off to a much better start after the first two rounds. 12-11-83. Defeating the Gold Coast 8-9-57. So there's plenty in the wash certainly from a big Saturday. Our, big, our pre-game show for our Thirsty Camel. Answer the Camel's call. Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Good crowd building up too. I think we expect quite a few yeah. in the house. Josh at the MCG this we... afternoon. A beautiful, uh, good day for footy. Not too warm. Mm, Carlton too home cold. game. What? What? Could we? Could we? Could we get fifty? I, th- I would. I would think we could get more. Really? Absolutely. Speaking of crowds. Uh, yes. Four thousand fourteen. Now I did that game yesterday, and mm. we were we were looking out thinking, gee, uh, there's not many here. The bounce is only about 15, 20 minutes away. Then a, a contingent sort of came in. And fans tend to come in a little bit later mm. now because there's no sort of pre-game yep. curtain raiser. But, gee, that's a, a real step back. I don't oh. know the explanation for that. The show, it seemed like the show was on next door because every time they pan the camera, there was kids on rides. Right, right. It was a bit going on around the showgrounds area, but that's mm. a throwback to um, yeah, that's their, a their, very early days. Oh, I mean, you'd have to... We'd have to do a bit of a uh, bit of homework. If only there was someone in here who could do some homework for us. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's the that'd be the lowest crowd at an AFL game for a long time, would it not? Well, I can tell you. Oh. it's an old Fitzroy. Oh, I'll right. Get one mention of Fitzroy in today. Right. But their last ever win, Fitzroy, was at the Whitten Oval when they beat uh, the Dockers in. Oh, I can uh, imagine. 1995 or 96, and there would have been. Around four to five thousand on the terraces. It sounded like fifty thousand mm. yeah. because the the supporters were starved of 
any wins in the last uh, couple of years. So 4,000 can make a fair bit yeah. of noise. Well, I mean, the 4,000 there yesterday wouldn't necessarily be in a hurry to come back because it wasn't a, it wasn't the greatest spectacle of all time. You were, you were uh, calling it, so you'd be better placed to... To speak on it than me, but it was disappointing, and we didn't we didn't get the numbers we were looking for in the AFLW final here either. I think about six thousand was the number yeah, we scattered ended, around the MCG. I think I think ten to fifteen was the sort of projection that the AFL were hoping for. So not quite the amount that they would have wanted because six thousand in this stadium feels empty. Well, feels incredibly empty. So. Yep. Um, that was a bit of a shame too. But it's just the trend at the moment, isn't it? People aren't quite turning up. Yeah, some yeah, still reluctant it seems to go to uh, live sport. But in Adelaide next week, and you've lived and breathed in Adelaide. What was it? Two years ago, they got fifty thousand. Fifty three, they got. And Adelaide beat Carlton. Yes. to win the AFLW. So we'd expect a pretty good turnout in Adelaide next week. Yeah, I mean, if they if they get a nice day, it was an incredibly from memory. I was uh, I was there that day. It was a very warm, sunny day. Yep. Um, Adelaide's first was it their first premiership? I- Second. It feels like a feels like an eternity so they ago. It, they won it in the first year under Beck Goddard, and that was yes, that's right. The one under Matthew, Matthew Clark. Clark. Yes, yeah. yeah, spot on. Yeah. yeah, so that was a huge crowd. But I, I would think, um, I would think, and the season's been building to this. I think Melbourne mm. and Adelaide have been the two dominant sides in the AFLW competition, and yeah, I would imagine forty plus. Yeah. I think the showdown was a little light on Friday night. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think they could expect 40,000 over there, which is a great thing for, for women's footy. Give us the feel as someone who's lived in Adelaide, that two-team town, about just the situation that Ken Hinckley, uh, Josh, finds himself in uh, right now. I mean, a bit like Leon Cameron there in that sort of ninth, tenth year. I mean, this is a, a period, if you haven't delivered a premiership by now, you come under more scrutiny, particularly that they've got so close, all these prelim finals under under Kenny. And there's probably been a movement there for a little while, hasn't there, in mm. Adelaide? A little bit agitated that they want some form of change. But you're zero on three. And just, I suppose, the, the style of footy or their brand of footy that they're serving up at the moment has got, um, yeah. you know, people in the world of pain. The Port supporters who we know are that passionate in following their footy club. It gives a bit of a feel they, of what he, the sort of pressure he'd be under. A lot of Port fans, in my time, you... You know, you're quite recognisable in Adelaide, so you go anywhere and both supporters of both teams come up to you a lot. There's a real sense of sort of entitlement or, or um, the, I guess, the, the need for people to come up and find out what's going on in the footy world. And I, I used to get a lot of Port fans come up to me and, and actually express their displeasure for the way Ken would coach them or, for the most part, I'm saying, hang on, you're third on the ladder. What, you know, what are you really worried about but he's never really been accepted over there like he's never really been you know completely loved by the the port fan base over there which to me seems ludicrous and I don't know whether it's I guess you know a lot of the port coaches of the past couple of decades have been port people or port players or port magpies you know Mark Williams even Matthew Primus well, have been the first outside but he came in at a time when the club was in absolute yeah and strikes. really you know really picked them up but you know, I, I don't know what the reason is, but I always got that sense that, you know, mm. from people coming up to you and just not really ever loving Ken Hinckley or being in love with Ken Hinckley, even when they've really, you know, gone to prelim finals and had a lot of home finals. So make no mistake, the, the, the heat on him over there right now would be out of control. It would be completely out of proportion with how they're going because we should not remember, or we shouldn't forget, sorry, Dixon, um, they've got Gray out. Their forward line's depleted. They're reliant on two young key forwards. 
They've got really good players all over the ground. Alia Alia. I mean, Port Adelaide win that game if Alia Alia plays mm. because he, he quells Himmelberg or Gallant, yeah. who kicked four each. That does not happen if Alia Alia is playing. So yep. we need to be realistic about it. Port fans should try and be a little bit more real, realistic and pragmatic about it. But no doubt, zipping three, no one expected them to be in that position. And, and, and the way that showdown went the other night, they should not have. That, that should never have got to that position where Jordan Dawson could take a free kick no. and, and kick a game winner. So, look, they got the Ds. they got the Ds Thursday night. <laughs> Zip and four stares them, stares them right in the face. So, yeah, yeah it's um, – and then they come here and they play the Blues. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's can quickly spiral out of control. Pretty confronting early for Port Adelaide. So, you talk about maybe the supporters not ever totally warming to Kenny, but it seems like he's always had a great connect with his group. But do you feel like that connect is maybe just tiring? What is there a telling sign? You've lived and breathed mm. on the inner sanctum, gone through different coaches. Yeah. Where it just gets to a stage where maybe there's just not the gel between coach and players or the message getting across or I getting think a little it, tired. It probably happens with the older quartet who who think, oh, you know, we've had this guy for a decade. We've been close, but we've never actually got ourselves to the last day. You know, there's teams, you know, we got to the last day but couldn't win on the last day. GWS got to the last day and, and couldn't win on the last day. You run into really good teams in Richmond. They haven't even been able to get past yep. the prelim final. They've had home prelims, which they've coughed up. You know, their performance against the Western Bulldogs in the prelim, that, 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 would, that would really haunt them and that would still sort of sit with them. And that might be, not that they're looking back at it, but it's that, oh, have we, and this is what the older players might be thinking, have we just gone over the other side of the slope? You know, we've really been building, 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 mm. created great opportunities for ourselves. Have we just tipped over the edge? And that's what, it doesn't take much to shift your focus off what you need to do. And, and, and maybe, maybe, you know, not being there, you, get, you don't get as much insight, but maybe that's where they're living at the moment. One of the early season stories we're certainly following, uh, Melbourne Carlton the next two weeks for Port Adelaide, as you mentioned. So, We'll continue to monitor that. Uh, Brisbane last night, I mean, they absolutely tore up North Melbourne. 30 points a quarter time, 39 at the half, 56 three-quarter time. Really blew it open in the last quarter, nine goals to one. Win by 108 points, so they've beaten Port mm. Adelaide, Essendon and North are at the rear. But Port Adelaide and Essendon obviously came in with good credentials into the season, having made the top eight Port making a, a prelim last year. So Brisbane have done what they've had to do and... We'll talk about the dynamics of their team. You spent a bit of time with uh, David Noble. I did. Over in uh, Adelaide, and he was straight to the point last night. He couldn't hide his disappointment. He was brutally honest. And uh, any time a team you know, puts in a pretty limp performance like that last night, it's uh, the first thing that comes to a coach's mind is, right, we get on the training <laughs> track, bring your mouth, go, we oh. go on hammer and tongs. How long does that sort of last, that, oh, the it's effect a, of that? He's, he's a smarter operator he than that, David Noble. And now, it's a sh- because it's a short-term fix. The, you know, the bring your mouth guard, the, the whole concept of we're just going to train harder, it's, it's such a short-term fix. And you know what? North actually needed short-term fix. You and I called that game against West Coast last week. Yep. They were dead set lucky they played West Coast. Well, I mean, they played half of West Coast last week, not even half of. They were lucky because they don't. I don't think that last week's performance beats any other team in the competition. They got very lucky last week, and they go and play a true contender last night on their turf. It's it's four goals to zip before you've blinked, before the uh, cheer squad have even been able to <laughs> wrap the banner up and put it underneath and get back to their seats and. 
from there, it just got worse and worse. I mean, they got lucky. Brisbane kicked 23-18. They kicked a bit straighter. They're, they're pushing up 27, 28, 29, 30 goals. Like, that's, we don't see those types of beatings anymore. They allowed 78 inside 50s, just staggering numbers. And that's what would drive David Noble and that coaching staff the maddest is they didn't even compete. They weren't even in the in the contest. They weren't up for the fight. They got absolutely destroyed in every single statistical category. And, I mean, they should be thanking Charlie Cameron that he kicked two goals six and not six goals two because it could have been even worse. And, um, and they felt like they'd sort of got past... Yeah, I think they definitely. Yeah, they definitely had gone past that 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 phase of of getting you know, really beaten up. But this game, when you bump into a contender, and I don't know, you know, thinking back to 2016 and 17 when we were at our strongest in Adelaide, we actually we were an offensive um, yep. focused team like Brisbane are. We used to really set ourselves for a team that would be coming to Adelaide a lower-ranked team, and we'd really set ourselves for 15 or 20 and say, you know what, if we put our foot on their throat, we can put five on the board in the first 25 minutes. It's all over. They want no part of it from there on, and you can basically you know, cruise through the rest of the game. So Brisbane have that ability. They want for nothing, Brisbane. I mean, that, you know, their, their true test is going to come at the end of the year, yep. that's that's when we're that's when we're going to judge them because they they've got great um, yep. talent all over the field. They've got five or six dangerous forwards. Uh, Darcy Fort's added a little bit as a backup like ruckman. Like yeah, so um, they want for nothing, and um, I guess their true tests will will come for them, or we'll wait for them down the road. No, you're right because we know once again. I mean, we, it's sort of a, a given now what they've built under Chris Fagan. The the foundations there, the list is that. It should be you know, somewhere in the mix of those top four to six teams, one and five in finals. So how are they going to build a team? Can you see anything in the first three weeks that tells you that this team could be better? Or is it just too early at the business end when it really counts in big cutthroat finals? I, my query on them has always been that um, ability to remain composed in the big moments. Yep. They've been really inaccurate in front of goal in big games. And and they've they've... They've got a lot of players who play on instinct and flair ahead of the ball. You know, Danaher likes to fly high and take long shots on goal. Charlie's the same, plays with great speed. Um, McCarthy's the same. They're all athletic and they're all, you know, fast and powerful. My query has been their composure and their ability to make the easy play or the simple play to allow someone else to kick an easy goal and also to allow a teammate to come into the game because... You know, it's all well and good for, you know, BP, you might be having a great night. Mm. The game might be in the balance. You're having a great night. But if you flick one over the top to me or you give one to me, then we're both in the game. We're both having a good night. You're feeling good about yourself because you've set one up and I'm feeling good because I've been able to kick one. That's been my query about Brisbane. But I saw particularly against Essendon where I thought Danaher in particular would want to fly for his marks and kick long goals. He was able to, I can see a spare line. I'm going to hit him. And that's the growth. That's the maturity that we're seeing from the Lions. And again, they're going to have greater challenges than what they had last night. Make no mistake, they mightn't have an easier game this year than last night. But they've start, they're starting to show signs that they are really in sync and, and everything's sort of coming together for them. Yeah, extremely watchable, aren't they? I mean, Very. Those you know, tough, hard inside. You get McCarthy, I mean, a guy who's just one of the best aerialists for his size. Zach Bailey. Yep. Almost like every time he turns for goal, he just... I mean, this guy does not miss. Mm. He, he feels like a luxury for them ahead of the ball. Like, he feels like a guy that you could put in the middle. Yeah. I feel like he'd be a great halfback 
you know, running half back. Yep. He just feels like a luxury for them. He's a really good sort of utility if they need him. He's a strong body. They've yeah, they, they they're really you are right. They're probably the most watchable team in the competition. They probably have for the been that for the past couple of years, particularly up at the Gabba when the when the weather's nice and yeah, I mean it's a it's, the 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 ruse. I mean their VFL side got beaten by. Over 100 as well yesterday, so that would have been a lonely old flight home. Well, you, you cop a hiding in the scene. You should go to match committee. Righto, who's played well in the twos? We need to make some uh, changes uh, no here. And you've been beaten by 104 <laughs> points. Yeah, no, it's uh, when you when you uh, when your two programs are combining for 200 plus point defeats, uh, it's not great. So yeah, it won't be a, it won't be a great week to be uh, a North Melbourne kangaroo. That make no mistake about it. But David Noble is you know, he, he's spoken. With a lot of rage and emotion, but he's a very methodical worker. He'll work his way through it. He, you know, they'll use this as a real um, week of education. If we don't come to play, if you don't prepare yourself properly, if you don't do all the things at training that you need to do to get yourself right, this competition is way, way too hard, and we are nowhere near good enough to be able to roll up and play against a contender and not be absolutely on, on song and in sync. And when we do, we lose by 100. Trip to Sydney uh, next Saturday mm. afternoon, so it doesn't get any easier. And uh, Geelong have got uh, Brisbane, so this is really, really the first test for Brisbane. I mean, go back was it two years ago they lost with the uh, the controversial yeah the controversial uh, free kick free slash kick. non free kick. Uh, Mark Blitzarves holding the ball. Mm. Uh, I think Zach Bailey laid that. T- was it Zach Bailey? He definitely kicked the game winner the week after anyway. But yeah, um, yeah that'll be a really really good contest Friday night uh, down at the uh, down at the Cattery. Um, I presume that, that Geelong's weather's turning south and sour, so I think the Lions, if they're looking for a bit of Queensland sun, they'll be coming to the wrong <laughs> place. I'll tell you, the other one I liked in the Brisbane lineup last night is Marcus Adams, a guy who's had so much injury. Mm. I just feel like he gives them just some nice solidarity in that back half. I mean, he's as strong as an ox. I mean, oh, trying huge. to muscle this guy in a one-on-one mm. contest. Huge. Like he's a he's, really important pillar. Yeah, he's a guy I, I played on at once or twice, but as you said, he would have would have played against him a lot more, but he, he missed so many games with serious injuries. But he's never had any uh, worries about being able to still get in the gym and lift weights because he's an absolute Adonis. He's near on the uh, best physique in the game, but he's a really good over, overhead mark. He, yep. he really compliments Harris Andrews and and um, and the, what's the third tall defend Gar- Darcy Gardner. Darcy Gardner, um, yep. Darcy Gardner really well as well. So, um, yeah, he's, he adds a fair bit to that group and um, he's, he's, he's played really well on Tom Hawkins on a few occasions because he's got that ability to match him body for body and strength for strength so yeah really um, hopeful for the Lions sake that he can he can sort of you know, play eight and they might have to manage him a little bit because he's yep. he'd be north of 30 would Adams would be north of 30 would he'd he be around that mark I um, so you know they might have to manage him yeah. considering his injury history but he certainly adds a fair but it doesn't you know it allows Gardner not to have to play on a big guy yep. and it also allows Andrews to occasionally play on the second key forward and he can help you know intercept in the air Melbourne, they get uh, Jake Lever and Ben Brown back for Port Adelaide on Thursday night, so uh, they'll go from strength to strength. But I want to ask you, so Luke Jackson, and I want to ask you about Tim English as well. Yeah. Both out of contract, both from WA. I mean, it seems like, you know, Jackson just reading between the lines and the way they've sort of uh, set up the money distribution across the, the top players, they're going to allocate enough to keep him happy, and he's part of a club that, you know, looks like it's going to have sustained success now for... A period of time, and he he, he looks uh, he looks pretty happy. So you would expect he's gonna 
continue his future at Melbourne. Uh, Tim English, I'm just keen to get your thoughts on mm. both those guys. Yeah, who, I, 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 the I, WA clubs would love to have. I love both. Absolutely love both. And they go about it in a different manner. I spoke about... Um, Spoke about uh, Tim English um, a lot on the run home on Friday with Andy Marr. He does things, he reminds me a lot of Sam Jacobs, a guy I played a lot of footy with because he, he goes about his business in the ruck in a different manner. Yep. A lot of times, you know, Mark Pitnett's making a career out of physicality and force and being a big brute and setting the tone from a physical point of view in the ruck. And that's what a lot of us look for and love in, in ruckmen, you know, Mumford and those guys who are really physical. Yeah. But then you've got uh, rucks like Dean Cox, who are great with their um, they're great technicians in the ruck. They've got great craft. They've got great touch, and they get around the ground and they can kick the ball on both feet. Um, they get a lot of uncontested marks. That's what we saw from English the other night. Twenty four disposals, twelve score involvements, marks, running bounces, and he got back and helped. Took a nice grab over Buddy Franklin at one stage. He covers the ground really well. He can kick the ball on both feet. He can go ahead of the ball, take a mark, and kick a goal. So. I think he's – they probably – and I'm, I'm sort of presuming a little bit and assuming a little bit, which is dangerous. But I reckon they would have said to him at different stages, you know, we want you to toughen up and be a bit more physical. But that's, that's, that's not his game. There's a minimum standard when you're playing the ruck, I reckon, yeah. about how physical and how tough you need to be. Yep. And he is that. But he, everything else that he brings is is just amazing. He's he's um, he's so athletic. He's got great dexterity for a big guy, and he he plays the ruck uh, position different to a lot. But he's at least as effective. He's only twenty four years of age. You know, what you, um, you, know what you might be think of. Um, they they never played the same position, and they're from totally different eras. But when the Bulldogs had Simon Beasley, yep. in the era of full forwards, in the 80s there, Simon was the stockbroker. Mm. Off-field, you know, wearing the suit all day, <laughs> and then you know, coming out of the Witten Oval, it's blowing a gale, trying to kick goals on the weekend. But when, in comparison to the other full forwards of the time, Simon was different. I mean, mm. he wasn't that, you know, charging yep. Tony Lockett at a pack, but he could play some great effective footy, kicked 100 goals, I think, a couple of times. So it's perception, isn't it? I mean, It is. It you can is. Only, you can only be who you are and bring your strengths. That's right. And when you try and be someone you're not, you, 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 don't, you can't fulfil your potential. And, and English is, you know, he's had some years in the system and he's developing beautifully. I think Dogs fans, or the Dogs, um, head office and front office would be desperate to keep him because yep. the, the, the West Australian teams will come hard for him, as they will with Luke Jackson. Luke Jackson goes about it in a completely different manner. He just wants to run through you. Tim English will run around you and um, outrun you. Uh, Luke Jackson will just run straight over you. He'll uh, put those brand new teeth at risk because he's uh, he's yeah, physically he tough. He's a bull at yeah. a gate. And I, he's, yeah. he's, to be honest, he's my most... I'm enjoying watching him more so than anyone in the competition at the moment, the way he goes about it. And make no mistake, I would think West Coast, with an ageing Nick Natanui, would be throwing up an yep. absolute fortune at both those two boys. No doubt. I might get your take, Josh. I sort of had my say on it yesterday, or had an, uh, just a view. I know it was discussed on uh, Saturday crunch time, in and around the Hawthorne mm. situation, that they've now got to try and... Managed delicately, del- delicately. Yep. they put a statement out uh, in regard to the Cyril Rioli situation and the, what's come to light in the last 48 hours with the way or why he, the full story, why he exited Hawthorne and the continued strained relationship, uh, particularly 
with Jeff Kennett as the president yeah. and what he said to uh, you know, Cyril's partner at the time, uh, going back a few years ago. Have you got your own take on it, just having observed what yeah, sort of transpired I mean, yesterday? I'm not, as, um, I'm not as educated on the whole situation as I'd like to be because I just um, I, um, I was very bi- I was working at the game last night. So I haven't seen... I've seen a lot of it, but I haven't seen and been able to speak to enough people about it. But what I will say is... Hawthorne, there's so many good things about the Hawks. You know, they had the, the awkward handover with Mitchell and, and Clarkson. We've seen what they've been able to do on field. Um, there's a lot of positivity around the Hawks. And this is one of their most beloved, successful players yep. who is now finally coming out publicly saying, look, you know, this is wasn't good enough. This is why I've stayed away and it needs to be dealt with. So, you know, there's, there, there's two sides to every story. So it's not like just because Cyril says, you know, Jeff did this and he should be gone, then he should be gone. But it's certainly Hawthorne really need to get in front of it because it looks clear to me that that Cyril and his family are not really going to be a part of Hawthorne until something changes or something sort of certainly um, is dealt with in a manner that they see fit. You know, there's a letter on um, that was written, and I guess it hasn't quite done the trick. So I'm not sure what the remedy is, but they need to remedy it. You've been inside a footy club with Indigenous players. Yes, that's the other element. You've experienced this. I mean, mm. race, as we know, it's it's, uh, it's a really fine line, isn't it? Unless you are around Indigenous people, mm. you maybe don't have your total head around what is acceptable, what is not acceptable. But you, you've experienced that far more than me. Yes, playing yeah. with Indigenous players. Indeed, and I've you know I've spent a lot of time um, with Eddie Betts, yep. and I've spoken to him a lot. And I um, am very, very close with Charlie Cameron as well and I've seen you know, some, some things um, that have gone on, you know, across my time and um, things that have been, you know, made public and yep. spoken about in terms of what we did and what we went through as a club. And mm. it, can really, um, it can really fracture a group because, you know, I think in my time at Adelaide we had, um, you know, we had um, Wayne Miller Jr. and Kirtley Hampton and um, Eddie Betts and a lot of those guys are, you really, you know, are really... They drive a lot of the energy of the group. They're a really um, bubbly group of people, the Indigenous boys, when they get together and they bring great life to the group. And um, I know Sean Burgoyne was sort of heavily involved in the situation as well. So there's, you need to be acutely aware of how the rest of those guys feel with this situation as well and ensure it doesn't sort of um, just bubble away. More to play out with that story during the week. After the break, we'll check in with the Demons AFLW team. Lauren Pearce, uh, after they booked their spot in the grand final, got past that prelim final hurdle for the first time to take on the Crows next Saturday afternoon. We'll check in with the subs for both uh, teams, for Carlton and uh, Hawthorne. The bounce uh, just over half an hour away. MCG, the Blues and the Hawks, our game this afternoon. You're listening to Crunch Time, brought to you by the Isuzu D-Max. Born to live. Sunday Crunch Time from the MCG, Carlton and Hawthorne coming your way in 40 minutes time. I can tell you the sub for the Blues this afternoon will be Jack Martin. It'll be Daniel Howe for the Hawks. Uh, Lance Whitnell at the Blues uh, today. Their former great forward, of course, presenting uh, young Jordan Boyd with his uh, debut Guernsey, wearing number 37, the uh, 23-year-old, to uh, grace the hallowed turf of the 
MCG for the very uh, first time. We're going to have a chat to Lauren Pierce very soon, part of the uh, Melbourne AFLW winning lineup yesterday. Uh, seeing off a, a fast finishing Brisbane at this very ground to take on Adelaide next uh, Saturday afternoon, which will be at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, Josh Jenkins alongside myself, Brett Phillips, our expert today for Buy My Stock. Got excess stock, visit buymystock.com.au. Andy Maher and Kane Corns will join us for the call in about half an hour's time. As we start to zero in, Josh, a bit more mm. on this game. A really good crowd building up. Both teams out doing their preliminaries at the moment. Uh, what's the expectation today for you? Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I guess if it was, a, it was a horse race, the Hawks win over Port doesn't quite look as good as it did uh, six days ago. But... Nevertheless, they were really impressive. Their ball movement was just sublime. It would have been nice to have been inside 50 for the Hawks last weekend. Gunston, yep. Lewis and Bruce all capitalising. and kicked 12 between them. Lewis uh, kicked, a, kicked a handful. He was he was excellent, but he's got a big task ahead of him today. Jacob Wiedering, in my opinion, is, is... I mean, in my view, he's the premier key defender in the game at the moment. He... He, um, he takes on the, the number one dog every single week. He doesn't have a lot of support or he doesn't have stable support yet. We've spoken about the battle between Lewis Young and Oscar McDonald, Mitch McGovern sort of in and out at the moment. He's out today. Um, you know, Plowman's back into the lineup. So Wettering has to always be on the main man. So be a good challenge for, for Lewis up against one of the premier uh, key defenders in the game. And then I guess the midfield battle, it's all about, you know, we We've seen how how dominant the Carlton mid, mids have been across the first fortnight. Mm-hmm. Today's the first day we see them, or first game that we see them yep. um, in their totality. They've got everyone. They've got Walsh, Chera's back. Um, the two rucks are, are playing and performing really well. No McAvoy for the Hawks. That's a big loss for them. Can the, can the Blues rucks get on top and, and give their mids first use? It's going to be an excellent contest. And it's good as they were, Hawthorne, last week. Uh, they were minus 24 clearances to Port Adelaide. So mm, They got uh, beat up in a lot of the stats, except the uh, scoreboard where they won by 11 goals. Unbelievable uh, stats. Yeah, tell us interesting uh, story. So we'll talk more about this game very, very shortly. Is it a couple of drops of rain? I'm seeing just yeah, it's been sort of on and off. A bit misty. It's definitely misty at the moment. But um, if it doesn't get any heavier than this, it'll still be a nice day for footy. Perfect. What a day it was yesterday for Melbourne's uh, AFLW. It was magnificent. Lauren Pierce is joining Five us. Five and a half gone, third term. Scores a level in this preliminary final. Lauren Pierce just grabbed it straight out of the ruck, settled, and wobbles it over the top of the goal umpire's hat. Sorry, Coxie. I just jumped over the top of you. I've got to get the dulcet tones of Matthew Cox, and he did Indeed. a beautiful job calling the game yesterday, and uh, Lauren Pierce has been good enough to join us. Uh, Lauren, it must be a great feeling. Congratulations to, to make it to the, the big dance, the most important game. Yeah, it's great. Hey, guys. Um, six years in the making, so it's finally yep. come through for us the day. Tell us about the end of the match, as Brisbane were really charging and Almost, uh, you know, had a chance to run you down yesterday. Just take us through that, that last quarter. It was honestly a bit of a blur. Um, in a situation like that, you don't know how much time you've got left and, and what's going to happen. And there's, I think it was in the last 30 seconds that they ended up getting it off us, trying to hammer it forward. So, yeah, was, the heart was pumping, but luckily we were able to chill it out in the end and, and get that in the win. 
and a huge thrill to be able to uh, to get the win and uh, progress at your traditional home ground or the Melbourne Footy Club's traditional home ground, the MCG. It must have been great to have been able to to, uh, to do the business here at the G. Yeah, well, obviously at Casey there's a lot of uh, wind and stuff and there was still a bit of wind at the G, but I could imagine what it was like if we were playing, playing back there. Um, <laughs> great stadium, great vibe and feel and... I think the the most special part was being able to celebrate it at the end of the game with all the the fans and the family that are around and walking around the ground and just seeing all the smiles on supporters' faces. Like that was just, I think for me that was an, a moment that I'll always remember. And hopefully we can get a few out to Adelaide Oval next week. And you've set yourself up nicely for a for a big grand final performance yesterday's. Um, performance by yourself was you're among the best players on the ground, 15 disposals, 11 hitouts, and a uh, and a nice goal as we heard in the opener. So you must have been um, thrilled with your own personal performance. Yeah, and it's I've been a bit up and down throughout the season, and for me going into that game, I was just focusing on trying to be aggressive and and help the team out where I can. So be able to get some touches and to to get a goal in the end when you're not expecting to uh, was a nice touch to it. And as you look ahead now, Lauren, because uh, the Crows beat you earlier in the season, the mind now shifts to that game, and they know all about winning premierships. They've won a couple in the uh, you know the early formation of the AFLW. Uh, What's sort of the first things that spring into your mind as you, you go head to head and get another chance to to try and beat them in the most important game? I mean, I think there's a little bit of redemption um, as well to be had our first game of season against them. You know, we didn't play how we wanted to play and obviously they came out real hard and strong um, and, and we probably weren't used to it uh, for that point in our season. But I think we've it's been a de- definite learning curve from that and we've tried to implement um, a little bit of their style into our game, but also I think we can handle it a lot better. Um, yeah, we're, we're really looking forward to it. We know it'll be an absolute tough match and we're all going to have to bring... Uh, solid performances and just play how we need to play. So hopefully it's a, a change of result. Um, that'd be nice. Are you you're looking forward to a nice hostile environment over there at Adelaide Oval? I was there for um, the Crows' grand final victory over the Lions a few years ago where there were 53,000 in the house. So um, I guess from your point of view, it'd be nice to go over there and uh, and 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 shut up forty-five or fifty thousand crows fans. <laughs> oh, wouldn't it ever? Um, yeah, last time we played, oh well, we were over in Adelaide this year playing them, and there were some vocal uh, supporters. But I, I love that. I love that part of the game, and it's not always that you hear them yelling out things um, through the game. You're pretty focused, but on the odd occasion, you might hear a comment slip out and. It'd definitely be good to get a few D supporters over there, but I'm sure they'll be drowned out by the Adelaide ones. But at the end of the day, it gives the, the field a great environment, uh, a great feel to it. Like To have that many supporters come out and watch, even though they might not necessarily be supporting you, you can uh, pretend that they are, I suppose. Take us through your, your week. What does, it, what does it look like from a preparation point of view? You always you, know, you want to keep things as as normal as possible, but the reality is grand final weeks are never normal. So what does it look like for you and and, uh, and your teammates? 
Yeah, so we, we've got a Zoom call this evening um, just to set up the week and, and have a conversation about what's happening, but it'll be pretty much the same. We train Monday nights um, and Thursday night. We have some optional touch on a Tuesday that the girls get down and do at the gym. Um, and I'm assuming we'll fly out on Friday to then be at, in Adelaide for Saturday's game. So nothing really will change, which is nice. Um, and hopefully that'll that'll help and work for us. And Lauren, just a, a bigger picture one to finish, just the continued evolution of the AFLW and you know, there was a delay with the prelim. We're still, you know, as a society, hopefully, you know, getting right towards the back end of it now. We're still de- dealing with, you know, COVID and the uh, the issues that can present in, you know, the hiccups to the, the schedule and so forth. But just when you look at the season, how do you look back on it, you know, with the continued emergence of players and, you know, the standard of footy and... Uh, just the way AFLW is tracking. Yeah, there's been a, a few teams that have copped it hard from COVID and, and having players out, having to use top-up players. For us, it was at the start of the season. Um, yep. You know, we had to... We used our whole team pretty much this season at the start. We had quite a few girls in and out for the first couple of games, but I think we've been really lucky and fortunate for the the rest of the season that it hasn't affected us too much. Um, We're always doing everything we can to keep away from big spaces, a lot of people, um, because we know that at the end of the day, the healthiest list is going to go a long way to winning that premiership. And, you know, Adelaide's been able to do it as well. they haven't had much going on with them. So I, I think just staying healthy has been the key. And you just never know. And you've just had to take it in your stride with games being changed. But we, we all love playing footy. And, and that's a big part of our summer. So we try and do everything we can to be able to play and get up for games. And the, gee, the competition goes to another level, doesn't it, uh, for next season with uh, the emergence of... Uh, more new clubs, so everyone's going to have some representation, which makes it fascinating in the off-season to see where players go left, right and centre. Yeah, looking forward to it. I can't wait to see who goes where and who's been enticed or who wants a different challenge. But hopefully we can keep most of our list together and obviously aware that there are some players that are going to shift, but you kind of don't really hold any bad blood for them because... They're just trying to chase opportunities that they might not have or, or want another challenge. So, yeah, looking forward to, to who parts ways with what teams and, and who's been lucky enough to pick up some decent players. All that to play at, but in the immediate, it's uh, next Saturday, Adelaide Oval. Uh, the uh, the early kickoff. Uh, it's going to be all eyes on Adelaide and Melbourne to see who wins the AFLW Premiership. All the best in the build-up and uh, for Melbourne trying to crack it for the first time. Lauren, good luck. Thanks. Go Dees. Good luck, Indeed. Lauren. Lauren Pierce, uh, full of energy. I remember seeing Lauren as a very young basketballer, and uh, she's done all right. Indeed, converting across to footy. Indeed, yeah. Indeed, have. was um, yeah, was among the best handful of players on the ground yesterday. Yep. So uh, she's certainly set herself up well for uh, for a big grand final, and it will be a it will be a big big week. I think she, um, Lauren, and her teammates, uh, it's going to be a normal. Um, <laughs> 
uh, introduction into yeah. Adelaide. They'll be uh, they'll be ready for them over there. No doubt. Our talkback is for Kogan Mobile. Uh, make the switch. Switch to uh, Kogan Mobile. Crunch time thanks to Thirsty Camel Bottle Shop. So we're going to come back and continue to look at Carlton and Hawthorne. Andy Mark Kane Corns to join us uh, very soon. The banners are uh, coming out. Good crowd in at the G. A little bit of misty rain about. Looks like a debate though. We'll have a pretty good afternoon for footy. Back with more on Crunch Time. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.